It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with MLB Pipeline's Jonathan Mayo. Jim Callis taking a break from us this week. Jonathan, I think he's gotten tired of us. On the, <laughs> We are going uh, right up the ladder on the podcast this week from high school baseball and the summer showcase to college all the way to big league debut. So we'll cover a little bit of everything. Let's start, though, at the prep level. Much of the summer showcase circuit is... In the rearview mirror, really, here as 2019 draft hopefuls get ready to head back to school for their senior years. But one new event is on the docket coming up this weekend for those talented players in Texas and California. The State's Play Tournament is taking place this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's down at Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. All three games will be on MLB.com. And to get us ready for that game, we're excited to be joined on the podcast by Jerry Manuel, longtime, obviously, big league player and then big-time major league manager. Jerry, I guess first question for you is, uh, it's Texas versus California. You're a California Mm -hmm. guy. What are you most looking forward to this weekend? Oh, I'm just looking forward to uh, hopefully imparting some um, wisdom and and strategy on the game. But... uh, and, and and trying to impact the young men and uh, also uh, try to get them to understand the importance of uh, of, of the education piece, uh, the component that goes along with uh, kids coming out of high school that might need a little bit more development rather than going straight into the draft. But um, this would be exciting times. I mean, I lived in Texas for a period of time. Uh, before I became a Californian, so I got ties. Uh, I got ties in both places. It was, Jerry, to me, this is, seems like a kind of an extension of what Major League Baseball has really tried to do over the last couple of years in terms of growing the sport, reaching more young players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you look at the, the player development pipeline stuff with the sort of nice added, you know, state rivalry wrinkle. What do you think that's going to add to uh, to the mix? You know, in, in addition to uh, the instruction and education that you and the other former big leaguers hope to impart. Well, I think it's going to add uh, again, uh, uh, hopefully, a base of of people that you know everybody doesn't make it uh, to the next level, but it appears as though uh, the Tony Patinis, the Tony Regans, the Dale Matthews, and other people have put together. Um, some some real real good players, and I think what it's going to add is a, a, a you know a level of excitement um, from a high school perspective to play you know on a major league field to see um, see what that is like to get somewhat acclimated to distances and space locker rooms uh, just just big time stuff. 
We talked about the games, obviously, Jerry, and that's a big part of this, and I'm sure that's what the players are most looking forward to is getting to represent their state against a, another state that's really well-known for high school baseball. But there's more to this weekend than just the games. There'll also be uh, the pipeline drills and, and learning sessions as well. When you get ready for a weekend like this, um, are you more excited about that side of it and getting to really get hands-on um, work with these kids? Well, the thing that, that excites me more more than anything is that we're in an era where it's basically showcase baseball. And if it's showcase baseball, that means that the individual becomes bigger than the game. Uh, so in this situation, we put it back into perspective to where the game is bigger than the individual, and then you begin to teach on how – um, how how this game is played and hopefully how you can impact and be ready to go at the next level with um, playing the game of baseball uh, in a sense that you understand what's expected as far as um, the strategy goes, that type of thing. So the showcase uh, thing is a, is is obviously been a been a good thing for a lot of people to showcase their talents, like I say, individually, but uh, a lot of times you don't see, um, at least from a peer's point of view, you don't see uh, the strategy that was implicated when we played and, uh, you know, pitch selections and the amount of strikeouts and, and those types of things. So I think this is a good, this will give us an opportunity to address some of those things. I think that's a great point, Jerry, because, you know, as someone who's covered the draft for as long as I have two guys who are so geared to show well at the showcase, whether it's mm-hmm. run a really good 60 or light up a radar gun off the mound. But right. then the, mm-hmm. the feel for actually playing the game is lacking. And you get to a certain point, you know, even though they're young players entering pro ball, that's, that's a hard thing to teach, you know, while also adjusting to playing at a really high level. So is there some hope that maybe this helps offset that a little so maybe you'll start having a, a oh, generation yeah, no of kids who have a better feel for the game? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And all the, um, at least from, from my point of view of what, uh, being in the youth space that I'm, that I'm in at this time, from my point of view, that's, that's basically what, uh, what I'm bringing is that I'm, I'm trying to bring them, you know, and hopefully I can get 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 through to them. Is that this is this is this is kind of going to kind of be some of the expectations when you when you get at the higher level. And I think once we once we crack this and this become a, a norm and we begin we begin to be able to uh, at least uh, have a narrative about what's happening to the game and where it is, uh, then we can at least see uh, some of the things that excited us about the game when we were playing, uh, you know, at a very young age, rather than what uh, or how far or how hard we throw uh, individually. I mean, we just left left the Futures game, and we saw 102 miles an hour turned around, hit it, hit it out of the ballpark, and, but, uh, and that's that's – that that should never happen if you have if you have that type of skill set 
uh, that wouldn't that that wouldn't have happened in, a, in in our day because you wouldn't have known when the hundred and two was coming. <laughs> but if that's all you got coming, if you got any kind of talent, you know you can hit a jet if it's on the runway. That's the type of players uh, that are at the major league level. <laughs> Uh, Jerry, these uh, a lot of these guys that are going to be in this game, these games this weekend. It's the end of kind of a long summer, a lot of travel mm-hmm. for for some of them, playing all the showcase events, and probably to the point where it's it's getting to be a grind. So, is there mm-hmm. going to be a little bit of a push to make this fun for these guys as well? And and as they kind of round out their summer, kind of go out with a bang here this weekend in Texas. Yeah, well, I, I I think it will be, but I think I think once uh, once the guy says play ball, and the other team, uh, one team shows a little bit more energy, uh, and then all of a sudden uh, you you get that that excitement, that blood starts flowing, and it and it gets competitive, uh, and you're on a team, not not as an individual. Um, hopefully these are the kind of guys that we bring to the next level, guys that want to compete, but we're trying, just tr- trying to teach them how to compete in a, in, a, in, a, in a team atmosphere versus an individual uh, atmosphere. And I think, uh, I think that's what's going to be exciting for them. Uh, hopefully we can, um, like I say, impact and open their minds to – uh, you know, this is just not a game of checkers. This is a game of chess. And in order to win, you got to be playing chess. You got to know what to do and when to do, and 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 those types of things. And uh, certain things in a game count versus uh, certain things in a showcase might not count. For example, if you got a guy on second base, there's no outs, and you're part of the lineup, uh, you're trying to drive the ball to right field. Now, everybody wants you to hit it in the air. Uh, that's okay. As long as the guy can tag up and get to third base, you have, you have, um, you have had a, a productive out, so to speak, and um, you have a chance to get that guy in from third in a, in a number of ways more than you do, obviously, at second base with less than two outs. Right, right. No, that's a, that's a good point. Um I wanted to ask you. We don't want to like dive specifically too much into the players who will be there, but the you know the one who jumps off the page for a bunch of reasons is, is Bobby Witt Jr., who would be mm-hmm. at the top of like pretty much every draft board, I think, if the draft were tomorrow. But mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you for more of in a general sense when you see uh, you know the the son of a former big leaguer. Aside from um, making you feel old, because I know it makes me feel old seeing Bobby Witt's kids <laughs> about to be drafted. Yeah. Just like you know, seeing the sort of the, um, the kind of heirloom nature of baseball when it's handed from one generation to next to see a, a, you know, a, a talented uh, player like, like Bobby come, come along after you, know, you saw his, his dad pitch for so many years. Yeah, I think that's going to be exciting, really, because you, you have now a position player um, – that's uh, playing, and and Dad was a pitcher, so I think he's going to come uh, with a great package of knowledge of of how that uh, combination works as far as pitcher batter uh, relationship. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to watching watching him play, and uh, there probably won't be much that you can add because he kind of understands. Uh, 
uh, what's what what that pitcher is thinking about because that's his dad uh, type of thing who you know uh, pitched at the major league level. But at at the same time, there's some other things around the field defensively that you kind of have to be aware of too and what to do and and so forth. But but guys that have had uh, uh, former Big league uh, parents. I think those are those guys are the guys that uh, they definitely have an advantage because they're not intimidated by a locker room. They're not intimidated by um, the crowds and, and, and those types of things. And I think uh, this is just just a side note. I think um, my generation, um, at least my culture, and my generation has done a poor job. In advocating our games because we're losing, uh, we're losing great, great athletes. Uh, the Barry Larkin sons, the Ken Griffey Jr. son. We're, we've lost, we've lost those guys to other sports, and and I think that's kind of a, kind of kind of on us more than we think it is on on travel ball and those types of things because we've we've lost some of the the best athletes always wanted to play our game uh you know michael jordan bo jackson dave winfield they they wanted to play baseball so we gotta we gotta find a way to keep getting the farmer players kids uh stay involved in our game that is just uh just my my take on that yeah, it certainly seems like that has become a focus here for Major League Baseball to get down to the youth level and, and do exactly that. Well, Jerry, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to us about this weekend. Have fun down there in Texas. Oh, we're going to have a good time. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jerry. All right. All right. Jerry Manuel, yep. he is uh, part of the coaching staffs down there uh, Globe Life Park. They're going to be playing the games this weekend. It's the state's play event. It's the first one. And Jonathan, uh, Major League Baseball and USA Baseball, who have kind of come together for this event, I think would like this to expand. It's Texas versus California, but obviously there's a there are other hotbeds of prep baseball around this country. Um, Florida and Georgia are, are obvious ones that come to mind. Um, this is the beginning, but it seems like something that they'd love to expand. Yeah, Battle of the Dakotas, maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think, and I think Florida and Georgia are already very much on their radar for next year. That that's the most obvious one. You know, I think about uh, you know the East Coast Pro Showcase, which I haven't been able to get to the last you know few years. But typically, there's one team that's largely Georgia players and one team that's largely Florida players, and that is always the most highly anticipated game. And and that's not with a concerted effort to get every top player, uh, you know, to expand the reach of the baseball like like this is. So I I can only imagine like a three game tournament with the best players from both those states. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. As you know, this the, this event this weekend should be uh, a lot of fun, and you know, uh, to be able to watch those games, uh, you know, on our site will, will will be cool. Not to mention getting the video assets for our draft coverage in 2019. <laughs> But also all the you know the instruction and those PDP uh, workouts, they do all this you know analysis uh, now beyond just the radar gun and uh, you know sixty yard dash vision testing and uh, all things of that nature. So it gives a lot more data to teams and colleges as well. So it's kind of like a a, a win win all around for for everybody who's involved in this event. 
Yeah, and that data that is gathered is shared directly with the 30 Major League Baseball teams yep. as well, so they have the information to go with. Both of us have uh, spent a lot of time at the National High School Invitation over the last few years, and that's an event where um, there's us- this year there was no team from Texas, but there's usually some Texas representation and always California, and California dominates. And what I think I've learned from seeing the NHSI is that California probably boasts the best high school teams from around the country. But what's different about this event is obviously it's just the best players coming together. And it'll be cool to see how much pride is kind of put on the line by these guys in, in representing their states, I think, as well. Because you get that at the NHSI, but these are those are actual high school teams. This right. is a all-star team, so it's going to be different. And I would think the overall talent level between the two squads probably going to be pretty similar. I think it's probably going to be similar, uh, you know, and it's interesting because yeah, this last year's draft uh, was down a little bit uh, in terms of overall high school talent. Yet they still had six players go in the top five rounds. Texas had eight in the in the top five rounds, and the reason, the main reason we didn't see Texas in the NHSI is Texas high school baseball has some very uh, strange rules in terms of when they can and can't play right. that were in direct conflict with the, the, the schedule of the NHSI, so working around that, the Texas team would always have to play a doubleheader on the second day because they couldn't play the first day of the tournament. It was, it was confusing. Um, and, and that's really the reason why uh, there hadn't, you know, having a Texas team the last couple of years hadn't really worked. Um, but yeah, the, there are some really good individual players. We mentioned Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, he is the best player he may, you know, if we were to do our draft top fifty right now, he would very likely be number one on the list. If if he wasn't one, he'd be two. Uh, just a really, really talented guy, and um, he he certainly headlines. But there there are some really good players from both states that'll be fun to see how they how they compete in a setting like this. And it, and it spreads things out a little bit because most of the showcase circuit where you're drawing from kids from everywhere around the country for the perfect game All American Under Armour. This being just two states, you get a few more uh, kids involved that, that weren't able to participate in those events. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's where uh, the different events that Major League Baseball and USA Baseball have held. Uh, you know, a lot of the kids uh, who, are, who are going to be uh, at this tournament participated in, uh, yes, things like Tournament of Stars, which is really high level. There's also the Breakthrough Series, the Elite Development Invitational Dream Series, and then all these individual prospect development pipeline events that are that are regional. Uh, so it does. It's sort of you know if you if you look at um, maybe like the Area Code Games, which does split things up regionally. That's out in California, uh, and but this is sort of expanded just within those two states so it does open the door and it's one of the one of the sort of primary objectives for this state's play is yes give the elite level players a, a chance to compete in this team setting and and work with guys like jerry Manuel, but also to open the doors to this kind of event to players who previously wouldn't have gotten this kind of level of exposure you know the the live streaming, the playing in the big league ballpark, all those kinds of things, and and they, you never know when guys will take what they 
learn and the opportunity they're given it and run with it and, and kind of put themselves even more on the map as 2019 draft prospects. Yeah, and speaking of 2019 draft prospects, there's obviously the prep level player and then there's the college guys as well. And let's talk about that a little bit because you have up on pipeline.com right Smooth now. Segue. Yeah, how about that, huh? Top 10 college draft prospects. And this is basically after some summer work by a lot of these guys, obviously either playing for USA Baseball or guys playing on the Cape, that kind of thing. Um, you checked in with some scouts, and a lot of these names are, are certainly familiar for fans of college baseball um, and who have even listened to this podcast and heard talk of, of next year's draft at the college level. But you have 10 guys um, leading the charge, and maybe this is the guy, if it's not Bobby Witt Jr., who's number one right. on the draft board when you guys release it in December. Maybe it's Adley Rushman, the catcher from Oregon State. Obviously, he led the Beavers to the uh, NCAA championship last spring, and then he got a late start on his summer, Jonathan, but did not disappoint. Yeah, I mean, it's, it shouldn't be any surprise if anybody watched the College World Series where, I mean, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I think he hit, I feel like he hit like 900. It felt like... <laughs> He was hitting the ball hard and doing something productive pretty much in every at-bat through their run in, in Omaha. And, uh, yeah, he came a little late. He probably just needed to recharge the batteries a, a, a little bit. Um, but then he hit 355 and 432 on base, 516 slugging, and uh, led the team in doubles with five. He only played like eight games. Uh, so he was very, very good. Uh, and he's a catcher. This isn't a oh, he may not catch at the next level. He's gonna he's gonna stay behind the plate. Uh, so you know, we're talking solid receiving skills to go with really really good offensive profile. So uh, at the, you know now the the best college program in the country. So that people will be spending a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest uh, next spring to see what he possibly can do for an encore. So number one is Rutschman. Then number four is Shea Langelier is the Baylor catcher. So you have two catchers right there at the top. Um, how did these two guys, Jonathan, compare to Joey Bart, who obviously went so highly this year in the draft? Yeah, that's a good uh it's a good comp, and I think they're in the same kind of ballpark. You know, Langoliers was more of uh, a defense first guy. Uh, and actually kind of had a down year at Baylor, uh, a little bit disappointing, only hit 250, although he slugged almost 500. Uh, he he caught a bunch of the early games for the U.S. national team before uh, Rushman got there and hit well as well. So if he can sort of take that uh, in smaller sample size and, uh, and continue it next spring, given his catch and throw skills, it's going to be a really interesting conversation with Langoliers, and and Rushman, it would be as if there were two Joey Barts in the top ten, uh, you know, in, in effect. Uh, and it's rare. Uh, college catching is always a hot commodity, uh, and it's hard to find. And uh, now you have two guys who f- should figure into the first-round conversation, if not the top of the first round. Before we move on to a pitcher, uh, one more guy I wanted to talk to you about, and that's Andrew Vaughn, because he's been a college baseball star since – the moment he stepped on campus at Cal, he won the Golden Spikes Award as a sophomore last spring. Um, so he's been an obvious in the conversation guy for the 2019 draft um, from from day one. And he played on the Cape this spring, and he was great again. Yeah, uh, you know, and with wood in his hands, and that's the thing that you know is probably the most important thing is that in all these summer events, it's a longer look uh, in game situations. Uh, 
them hitting with wood. Uh, and sometimes that's the biggest question. The guy right behind Vaughn, and I'll, I'll touch more on Vaughn in a second, Logan Davidson, people love him. The shortstop at Clemson, ton of tools, hit a bunch of homers over his first two years at Clemson, um, some swing and miss. He's had two summers in the Cape where he hasn't hit, so we have to like we'll have to see what he does next spring. But Vaughn, after you know winning the Golden Spikes, he had four oh two and slugged eight nineteen. And I don't care what you're hitting with, that that's good. Uh, went on and hit three oh eight and had five homers with fourteen RBIs in just fourteen Cape Cod games. Uh, you know, so that helps his stock even more, especially for a guy who is likely a first baseman only. Uh, he has to hit. Now he didn't. He didn't hit great when he got to Team USA after the Cape, um, but you know he gets a little bit of a, a pass. I mean, you know, he just hit a little bit of a wall, and he's got such a good track record of offensive success that I don't think that means a, a whole lot, which is why he was number two on my list. When you think about pitchers on your list, you have three of them, all lefties. Um, yeah. TCU's Nick Lodolo and then Zach Thompson from Kentucky. Um, just talk about those two guys briefly um, before we move on, but but those are your top pitchers. Yeah, that's one of the sort of strengths it seems in the in the college class of the are the are the college lefties. And you know, Lodolo is interesting that, you know, he didn't have a great year, he didn't have a bad year, but he didn't dominate at TCU uh, as a sophomore, and then he didn't pitch this summer. Uh, so there's a bit of a, a question mark next to his name at number five, I I guess is is the best way to put it. Uh now it's not completely out of the question these days for college pitchers to shut it down for the summer. I I don't think people are overly concerned, but you know, they want to see what he can do and if he comes out and dominates next year. He's six foot six, he's up to ninety five with his fastball with a good breaking ball. If he takes the next step, uh, you know, his placement on this list is really based on what he can be, not what he did over the summer or even what he did during the spring. And then Zach Thompson at Kentucky, uh, you know, was a guy who a lot of people thought was going to be maybe the best sophomore pitcher in the country and then missed a lot of the year because of a, an elbow issue. It didn't require surgery. Um, so people were pleased that he went out and pitched this summer. No, he didn't pitch a ton. Uh, you know, the collegiate national team doesn't, there's no internet. There's no international competition. They played a series of kind of exhibitions, things of that nature. Uh, but he was good. You know, he didn't give up uh, a, a run over eight and two-thirds scoreless innings. He walked a bunch. That's okay. Uh, struck out seven and only gave up three hits. So he'll need to show that he can take the ball every Friday night for Kentucky, uh, assuming he's in that role. Uh, but this was sort of a nice way for him to answer some of the questions and maybe build some excitement for for what he'll do next next spring for the Wildcats. Yeah, he'll face plenty of challenges, obviously, in the SEC yep. every Friday night. Like we've seen with pitchers lately, um, year after year, coming out of that league. If you can kind of get through that gauntlet, you've proven yourself, uh, certainly. All right, let's move on to the big leagues now. We've done high school. We've done college. There was some big debuts this week, um, none bigger than Michael Kopech, who got out for the first time at the major league level on Tuesday night. It was brief because of the weather. Uh, rain delay after two innings meant that Kopech was shut down, but he went two innings, threw a lot of pitches, four strikeouts, which you would expect to see from the flamethrower with the Chicago White Sox. He did give up three hits, but he didn't walk anyone, Jonathan. Before we talk about him, let's hear from Kopech himself talking about his big league debut. All right. Three, two. He seemed to take it all in stride, and, and I always... 
feel good about when guys say they were shaking a little before their big league debut. Like the moment wasn't lost on him. He realized how big this was, even though he's been a big prospect for a while. But Jonathan, no walks. And that's been a thing that in his recent starts at the minor league level has also been the case. It seems like he's figured out the control command. Yeah. It, you know, let's put figured out in quotes, you know, because <laughs> for now it's for now. Uh, but I think he has, he has certainly learned some lessons and it's funny because you know, we do that fantasy top 10 and he has been on the top 10 pretty much all year. And no matter who's writing, whether it's me or, or Jim or, or Mike Rosenbaum, the, it's usually the same sort of thing. Stuff wise, he can get big league hitters out. It'd be exciting to see him. He'd probably help your fantasy team out. Uh, but command is in question. And it, invariably, it, depending on the week, he was coming off a really good start or a really bad start. And it was up and down. And then, like the last month, all of a sudden, he started commanding the baseball better. And basically, what he's been doing is it sounds simple, but he's been pitching more than throwing. And he has a tendency to overthrow. Uh, and what he's learned is that he can throw 96, 97 consistently rather than upper 90s, 100, and, and kind of spinning off and out of his delivery, which is what causes the command problems. Um, you know, the, his curveball has locked in along with his slider. Um, and the curve helps him, has kept, helped him mechanically. It keeps him in line. It's got good depth. He's trusting those secondary pitches more, uh, which you know should help him in terms of continuing to get swings and misses, but maybe keeping the pitch count uh, down, getting ahead you know early by mixing his pitches more. Um, so he puts them away faster, and then he can stay in the games longer. Which is why, if you look at his his game by game the last uh, month, you know he's had more six and seven inning outings as opposed to those sort of four and five inning ones where he's walking so many guys. And he actually did not top 100 miles per hour in his debut, which to me was shocking. And you make a good point that that's probably best for him. But wouldn't you have thought maybe just that maybe just that first pitch out there in his big league debut, he might kind of rear back and fire one? Yeah, just from being amped up. But, you know, and I think he probably would have seen it if he had known he was only going to be throwing two innings, like if it was the Futures game or something like that. Uh, but I think that's a sign that he's really buying into that this is going to work, you know, uh, and I'm sure it's been hammered into him since he started pro ball. Uh, but some of it's maturity. Some of it is, you know, learning your body and all those things. And right now he, he's buying into it. That doesn't mean that he's not going to be able to reach back, uh, for a hundred. Uh, the thing that's, you know, makes him kind of a freakish athlete is that, if it hadn't rained, he could have pitched in the fifth or sixth inning and say he had runners on in the sixth. He had a hundred in his back pocket when he needs it. But the fact that he was managing to uh, manage his, his energy level and knowing that he could go out against big league hitters and do what he'd been doing in triple a and still miss bats and, and be successful. That's a really, really good sign. Small sample size, yes, but a really good sign for for his long term future. Where, yeah, you know, ninety six, ninety seven with two really good breaking pitches and a changeup that he's starting to to fold in. That's a front line starter, you know, without the hundred miles an hour. Yeah, and obviously the White Sox. Uh, he was part of the Chris Sale deal. Yoan Mankata and Kopech, along with two other guys, went over there, and and now. Um, 
he gets up to the big leagues. We'll see what he does from here. All right, a couple other prospects making their debuts this week on Monday night. Not top 100 guys, but still guys that I think their franchises have high hopes. One went well, one went not so well. We'll start with the good one, and that was Bryce Wilson, who has just kind of um, rolled through the Braves system this year. They have so many highly touted guys, and Wilson kind of entered the year more under the radar, I think, Jonathan. Just 20 years old, 243 days. Um, he's the youngest pitcher on record to win his major league debut one to nothing. How about that for a stat? But he went five innings, three hits, no runs, three walks, five strikeouts against the Pirates. Um, Bryce Wilson started the year class A, and now he's in the big leagues. What what did he figure out this season? It's um, it's kind of crazy. Uh, although you know, sh- shutting out the Pirates these days is not exactly a Herculean <laughs> task, but. Um, not taking anything away from his big league debut where he was really, really good. Uh, you know, I think he was more efficient, not that he was inefficient in his first full year. Um, I mean, he led the system in ERA last year. This is a guy who a lot of people, as he was entering pro ball, people thought, oh, maybe he's a future reliever uh, just because of his his size. Uh, there's a little bit, you know, there seemed to be maybe a, a little bit of effort in his in his delivery. He was very aggressive on the mound. He sort of that bulldog mentality that, would look good in, in, in the bullpen. That's why he ended up in the, in the fourth round, but for him to be a high schooler to make it to the big leagues after being drafted in 2016, just two years ago with all of the really good pitching talent is, is really amazing. Um, and no one is really talking about him being a reliever anymore. Uh, he still has a set of high energy uh, and aggressive mentality, but he's, managed it really well as a starter and walk a lot of guys. He missed a ton of bats. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Cause you know, he did get hit a little bit more and walked a few more guys in double a, uh, and then his three starts in triple a, uh, you know, he missed a lot of bats and didn't walk anybody. So, uh, overall for the year, it's another really good statistical year for him. And we'll see where he goes. You know, I, he's probably a, a middle of the rotation kind of guy, and it's just kind of an embarrassment of riches for for the Braves. I and mean, this is a guy who is thirteenth uh, in our top thirty now. In lots of other organizations, he'd be a, probably a top five guy. Uh, but this is a guy who you know they they've managed to bring up a lot of their young arms who, you know, who are in their top 10 to contribute at the big league level this year. What do you think was a bigger moment for Bryce Wilson on Monday, making his big league debut or being named to the pipeline prospect team of the week? Oh, prospect team of the week, please. I just wanted to make sure we were. I heard, I I mean, I think he almost turned down the call up because he didn't want it to, to, to cloud the, the honor of, of being, the right-hander on our prospect team of the week. Yeah, absolutely. All right, one more guy. Steven Gonsalves made his uh, big league debut with the Twins, actually against the White Sox the night before Kopech made his debut against the Twins in that same series. Uh, Gonsalves got through the first inning okay, uh, but then it, it kind of fell apart in the second. He ended up going in an inning in a third. Six hits, four earned, a couple of walks, three strikeouts. He threw 55 pitches. It was a scoreless first inning. He admitted after the game that that maybe the nerves got to him. Um, he's a guy who last year really took big strides, but talk about what the expectations are for the Twins' number 5 prospect now that he's up. Right. And he, yeah, he, yes, he's not top 100. He's, he has been in the past. He's kind of one of these guys that's kind of 
flirts with the list. You know, he's been on, he's been off. He's often in our one one to one ten grouping. Um, and you know, he's a guy who has decent stuff. Um, and it's more pitchability. And so if he's, you know, a little too excited or nervous and he's not executing his pitches, what happened in his debut is what happens. Uh, and he, you know, largely this year has managed to avoid that. Although the walk rate was a little too, been a little high in AAA, even though he overall has been effective, very tough to hit. Um, you know, an ERA below three, all that's good. Um, you know, he, he will have to watch the walk rate because uh, he does not have, you know, the plus plus stuff. He's got, you know, he's got stuff with movement. There's some deception, uh, all of that. Um, so I, I think, you know, he's a smart pitcher. He's going to learn from what happened and assuming he gets uh, more opportunities. And if I'm the twins, I give him another chance to start as soon as possible, just so that's not sitting there, um, you know, letting him think about it for too long, let him get back out there and, and build off of it and, and learn from it and, and trust his, his stuff and his feel for pitching that, that it'll be good enough to get big league hitters out. All right, so it's it's rare, I think, in two two nights, basically, to have three prospects that like that make their big league debut. So exciting stuff with Kopech and Salvas and Wilson. Um, that's going to do it for this edition of the Pipeline Podcast. Um, did you miss Jim, Jonathan? Who? Yeah. <laughs> He'll be back with us before we know it, although I think it's just you and me again next week. We'll see. Yeah, he's sailing the, uh, the, the, the open seas or something like that, so uh, he can uh, go enjoy his cruise, and you and I will take care of business here. We'll see if he found any uh, baseball talent along the way when he uh, ends up getting back eventually. All right, thanks for tuning in, and tune in again next time to the Pipeline Podcast.